Today, Nate talks millennial money with a professional financial advisor, Brian Kelly, who has experience across the spectrum, really uh, working with millennials like us, as well as uh, professional athletes. He was, uh, as you'll hear, an advisor to the NFL Players Association and still works with some of the players uh, and some of those related organizations. So, yeah, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Two Old Millennials. I am one half of the Two Old Millennials, and I'm very excited about today's topic. It's been a personal uh, area of interest for me for a long time. I grew up in it. My dad works in it, and that is whatever you want to call it. I call it investing, wealth management, money management. Uh, it has a lot of different names, but the millennial generation likes to get picked on for our uh, I guess, inability to manage money, and which is why I'm excited about today's guest, Mr. Brian Kelly. Brian, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Brian, I, I would do an intro, but I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't do any, do any uh, background on, on what your, your titles are. I know you got a wealth of experience in this field, so why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit more about, uh, about why, you're, why you're here today. All right. Thanks, Nate. Uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a certified financial planner. I've been uh, since 1998 doing uh, financial planning and investments for, uh, I had my own business for, oh, several years. Started out in 1998 with a company called Payne Weber. Uh, went to UBS, Payne Weber, and then uh, Edward Jones, and then I went out on my own to, to do my thing, um, manage money for people. And now I am working... Um, at a company with uh, our, our company, we uh, we help employees of large corporations. So uh, I'm really excited to be doing what I do now because it's it's totally unbiased. We don't sell any financial products. We just help employees with all areas of financial planning. And what one of the reasons, well, a couple of reasons why I brought Brian on the show today. One, he's he's an old friend, and I like him, and he <laughs> gives very unbiased advice. But two, you you do you're being humble. You do some cool stuff. You work with. Uh, some professional athletes. I believe you've had some experience in that regard, correct? Yeah, actually, Monday I have to go out to the Washington Redskins. So, uh, so yeah, so we, we uh, one of our contracts is with the, the NFLPA, the Players Association, and the NFLPA Trust, which uh, is the former players. So I, I work with a lot, a lot of former players, hundreds of former players. Um, this year I got to do, this is the third year in a row, I did the NHL, the National Hockey League Rookie Orientation Program, where I go and talk to all the incoming rookies about just doing, being wise with their finances. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right, so, y y you know, Brian, we're, we're here in middle America. We're here recording from Omaha, Nebraska, and, and so I, I, I bring that up because a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of the times we get kind of insulated from what's happening on the coast. During the recession, you know, we didn't get hit as hard in middle America as they did on, on, on the coast or in the southwest and places like Phoenix. So the, the, the main thing you read is, you know, we millennials, we just love avocado toast. Mm. We live in our parents' basement. We don't make enough money to pay off our loans. We don't make enough money to buy a house. Uh, our retirement is basically completely unimportant to us. And although... You know, I do agree with some of that. I, I think a lot of that is is frankly just BS. I mean, I, I, I do think that we were dealt a hand that was different than, say, your generation Absolutely. or, or uh, you know, your parents' generation. That, that was just out of our control. But it, 
you know, when you look at millennials, which I don't even like saying because mm-hmm. a millennial in Omaha is different than a millennial in L.A., Chicago, Boston, Miami. I mean, what what are your thoughts in terms of what you're seeing on the front lines of wealth management? How would you how would you describe our generation as different in that regard from other generations that you've worked with? Well, there are challenges, right? You guys have different challenges than my generation. I'm 52 years old, so, uh, you know, I, I didn't have student loans like you guys do today. Like, so, so the millennials that I'm talking to do have substantial student loans, some. And that, uh, in, in some cases, that's a mortgage. So, so it, could, yeah. it could affect yeah. you buying a home down the road. Yeah. One of the biggest challenges in the world. The other thing, too, is that just just retirement looks different. You know, the pensions aren't going to be gone. You've heard all this stuff before. Yeah. Uh, you know, most millennials are not going to get a, a pension. Social Security is not going to look like the way it does today. So, so it's on you more than it is on me, or certainly more than the baby boomers, to, to fund your own retirement. Yeah. And how would yeah, how would you recommend we do that? So here here's here's my thing is uh you know, I I get up every single day. I almost wish I didn't do this and I read the news. I mean, there's arguments out there, don't read the news, is this gonna depress you? Right. And I anybody who reads the news, it's very rarely, you know, good good stuff. It's always kind of the negatives. But, you know, I'll I'll read the financial news and I'll say, you know, f- fifteen stocks you gotta buy today. And I'm like, Brian, I, I, I don't have to buy those stocks. I can live within my means. I can put money into my, you know, workplace retirement plan. If you have that, I know not everybody does. I can maybe contribute to an IRA and then maybe play the stock market in, in, in a few areas that I know. And I think that's the thing is, is, is we're being told to invest in these things, in these stocks, for example, that, I mean, I don't know anything about. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I've, I've tried to learn about Bitcoin. I don't know the first damn thing about it. I can't figure it out. But yet every single day I'm saying it's the next big thing. I mean, what do you, what do you, I mean, I'm talking just basic yeah. financial management, which I, is I your area of expertise. Where, and that's where it has to start is basic financial management. So first of all, you should. Uh, yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I think, I think at the very basic levels, you have to identify a purpose for every dollar that's coming in. First, you know, so so we have to. What what is the purpose of this money? So we shouldn't talk about investing and getting into the weeds in that until we know what the purpose is. If I, if I'm saving for a down payment on a home or I'm paying down debt, we know how to invest that. We don't invest it. We save it. It's liquid and safe. I'm going to go online and get a two percent guaranteed savings account for those kind of accounts. If I'm going to buy a car or a truck in the future, uh, or a house in the future, if I'm paying for my wedding, stuff like that, that's just safe and liquid. We don't want to invest that money. Um, so that, that would be the first step is identifying what is the purpose of every dollar. You talked about retirement and how do we how do we manage money with all these different competing goals, if you will. Um, you know, and retirement is one of those. And, and, and I think if 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 you want to get ahead and there's a couple of reasons why you want to get ahead, you, you probably need to try to get about 20 percent, which sounds like a lot, but 20 percent of your gross income putting put away for retirement. And, and part of it is because the Social Security pension thing. Part of it is, especially if you're a female, you're going to spend a few years out of the workforce, maybe um, to have children or something, or if you're a man for that matter. And and and, and those, those times away, you have to get ahead to prepare for that. Maybe you're changing jobs. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the younger generation does, you know. Yeah. So, so 20% sounds like a lot, but maybe you start at 
if you're getting a match from your 401k, like you maybe getting 5% match, put in that 5%, get that match. Now you're at 10, increase it every year, one or yeah. 2%. And pretty soon you'll be at that. Yeah. So I think that first off, I agree with you and small caveat, my dad's a financial advisor has been for, I mean, I, he's probably approaching 50 years at this point. So I grew up with this stuff. I grew up with this mentality, but most people didn't. I mean, I would say most people, and this might cause some backlash, I think most people suck at financial management. And I think our generation is particularly uh, struggles with it because we look at the situation of saying, well, you know, I watched my parents slave away at the same job for 40 years, and then in the recession, they just lost everything. So, so fuck it. What am I going to... I mean, who cares? I mean, I'm going to yeah. go to that liberal arts school, and I'm going to get mounds and mounds of debt and they're not building starter homes anymore. So that's not even an option. I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, drink my lattes and eat my avocado toast and I'm going to take my mm. beach vacations. Um, and, and be, because, you know, it, it just doesn't matter. And I, and I know not all of that's true, but we've been painted as the generation that does that. Um, so my question is, is you have somebody that let's say they have a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. Right. They, mm -hmm. you know, they live in maybe they live in a, a large metro area. Um, I mean, what are you telling that person to do to say, listen, you got to at least do X if you want to have right. even the slightest glimmer of hope of, of retiring at all? Well, so first of all, I talk to a lot of younger people younger people that are really good with money. Right. So right. so there are, yeah, it is painted, the, the millennials are painted as this reckless generation maybe, but but a lot of the people I talk to, I just talked to a guy, a young man yesterday, he's 22 years old, who is, is talking about buying real estate as an investment. Right. <clears throat> you know, an advanced investment strategy. So, so there are people that are, I mean, I think a lot of young people are actually way smarter because there's more... The more information. There's more have. information yeah. out there. Yeah. So. So that's number one. But the, with these challenges, and specifically student loans, I mean, they are literally a crisis in the in the making. Yeah. Um, people, like I said, you know, if you have a hundred thousand dollars student loan, which is not uncommon at all, yeah, that's a mortgage. Yeah. That's a six, seven, eight hundred dollar a month payment that you're going to be making for the next maybe ten, possibly twenty years. Yeah, I was going to say ten would be ten would be ideal. Ten would be hard. Yeah, ten but, would be difficult. So, so that, that, you know, that's your mortgage and you just cannot afford to do that. So that's going to, I mean, in my opinion, that, that could affect the overall economy too, because if this person is going to rent instead of buying a home, you know, that could affect the overall economy in general. Um, yeah. You know. I kind of look at the psychology of the situation where I, I, I am on the older generation of, or, or on the older side. Because you're what, the, 34? I'm 33. Okay. So I'm on the older end of the millennial generation. And so my college... It really wasn't that expensive, but mm -hmm. but my my dad sat me down and said, "Listen, Nate, this is what I got for you in mm -hmm. terms of savings. Like, you make the decision." And thank God, I was lucky enough to be like, "Okay, I, I understood what debt was, and I understood the long term implications of it." Is there ever a time where you're working with somebody who may be struggling, and and you're just like, "Well, like you, every single day you talk about how you're struggling, but..." Yet every single day you, you know, maybe three or four times a week you go out for happy hours or like, you know, don't go on that trip. Like it's, it's almost a psych, it's a, dis, it's a discipline issue that, I mean, are you seeing that, that it, maybe our generation 
has it, a, or doesn't have in a lot of ways, or does it span multiple generations? Well, it does definitely spans multiple generations. Yeah. I, I talked to a gal uh, last week or so, uh, lives in New York City, makes a decent living, $160,000 a year. She's in her late 20s. Yeah. Um, can't figure out how to how to make a living. Now, she lives in New York City, much more sure. expensive than Omaha, sure. Nebraska. Sure. But we were talking about how she spends money, and uh, she had just said that she bought a pair of flip-flops the day before for guess how much money? A pair of flip-flops? Flip-flops. She called them flip-flops. Uh, flip-flops. She bought those for $75. $695 for <laughs> <laughs> a pair of flip-flops. And I said, well, well, the first number one step you need to take is take those back tomorrow. Yeah, and we yeah. talked two days later, and she took them back. And she actually felt really good about that. But but you're right. It's it's a mindset thing. It's like, you know, I, I this money's available. Those flip-flops are there. I'm going to go buy those. She's not thinking about, you know, what that opportunity cost is. What could I do with that 695? What is the effect? It doesn't seem to her like a lot of money. So if I put that on my student loan or if I put that on my credit card to pay off that credit card, it doesn't seem like it would make that big of an effect. But it does. And we we talked about how that how that can make a difference. If you do that every month, in three years, you could be completely debt free. Yeah, and yeah, you know, it's it's a lot of little things, is what. What? what why do Why do you think people struggle with that? Is it are they are they chasing lifestyle? Do they not have clearly defined goals, or do do, do they just not do they just not care? Like, what what is it's, what's your opinion? It's deeper than that. Okay. It's it's. Uh, it's it's more psychology absolutely than it is you know tactics and habits. It's habits. It's habits and psychology. Another example: a gal lives in New York. Also, she's in her forties, but she makes over two hundred thousand dollars a year. She 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 thinks she has to have an apartment by uh, the by the park, Central you know, Park, by Central Park. Yeah. So so her her studio apartment is thirty six or thirty eight hundred dollars a month. You know, so that's like yeah. half of her take home pay. Yeah. Um, and then she also she also just thinks she's very fit. So she joins a yoga studio and another gym and a Pilates studio. And that costs yeah. her over like six hundred dollars a month. I mean, yeah. so so it, the psychology of it is, is this is what is making me happy today. Now, there's consequences to that. And that's something that that her and I talked about is you, you can you can do whatever you want. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Yeah. But you have to understand that these are the consequences of it. Let's honestly assess what this is doing. And yeah. that's what I like to do with people to say, if you keep doing what you're doing now, this is where you're going to be. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, it, and it's okay if you're willing to do that. Well, I think that's hard for people because it, it, it in any aspect of their life regarding any topic, you know, this, we're talking about money specifically here, but when you force people to take a hard look, they may not like what they see. Numbers uh, it, too. N- right. Numbers. And they're like, I, I mean, I, I, this might be a stretch, but I might relate it to going to like therapy. You may be scared no to go. To, you it. may be scared to go to therapy because you don't like what you're going to find out about yourself, right? And I think that that kind of equates to investing when people are struggling with money. So, one thing you mentioned. So you 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 just gave two examples of New York. You've lived in Nebraska your whole yeah, life, yeah. right? And I mean, people might be listening, thinking just got a couple of Midwest homers here, but yeah. I mean, we've 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 traveled quite a bit. I've been fortunate enough to live, you know, outside of, well, certainly outside of the state and outside of the country. So it's, you know, I've, I've had a little bit of experience. Um, you know, you, as you span the country, right, east to west, west to east, whatever you want to do, you know, you've you've met New York people, you've met Californians, oh, yeah. you obviously live here in the Midwest. Talk to me about 
almost the spectrum of millennials as you move across the country? And, and, and what, how do they differ from different geographic regions, in your opinion? Not as much as you think. Okay. I and mean, I think their circumstances are different. Uh, actually, actually, I take that back. Um, I work with a lot of millennials in a California office. And, you know... Uh, and where, where specifically in California? El Segundo, California. So it's a suburb of L.A., okay. right, by the, right by the airport. All right. Um, now, these, these folks are all very astute with their finances. They're not, they're, they're in the financial industry, but they work um, in support, like in sales and in marketing and in technology, yeah. et cetera. But they're, uh, how's the difference between them and somebody in Nebraska? Well, for one, they have to live in a place where, where rent is $2,000 a month. Yeah. So they have to be, yeah. it, it's funny though, the lifestyle on the coasts Compared to Nebraska, is you know we're sitting here drinking our Starbucks. Um, I mean that's a, that's an everyday thing there. It yeah, really yeah, is. Right. I, I actually don't know where they get the money from. Right. <clears throat> but they are. But but as far as when it comes down to the psychology of money and the way that they approach their money, it's it's not a ton different. It's just the different circumstances. Okay. I would just like to go on the record. I'm drinking coffee from Roast Coffee Makers <laughs> in uh, Exarban Exarban area, <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska. Um, he, Brian is drinking Starbucks, so I didn't, you know, I didn't know. Library. Yeah, it's fair, it's fair <laughs> enough. Um, well, so, so I mean, because I got a good friend, really good friend that lives in Venice, California. Okay, um, right there makes yeah, Venice is beautiful, right? Yeah. I mean, he lives. I mean, the, the beach is a stone's throw away. Very good job. Very very good job. Uh, lives in a nice house with I think there's five of them in there. Yep. And so, I mean, right when I think of California, first off, I get it. It's Southern California specifically. Yeah. It's 75, 80 degrees every day. A cold day is 55. Mm-hmm. Um, as we sit here and record this, I think it was six degrees in Omaha, Nebraska yeah. when I drove in this morning. So I get it, Southern Californians. I get it. It's gorgeous. But, I mean, right off the bat, it's like, okay, here's my rent. And, and, and that, that alone, that's it. It puts me behind the eight ball. So, so, so that was a big thing for me when I was living out in Colorado. Yeah. I was like, okay, so, so, so just right away, like I, I'm done. I'm already behind kind of financially where I would like to be. And one thing that that, that, that made me do, and maybe I just overanalyze everything, which I kind of have a tendency to do, is, is it forced me to like make some decisions like about my life or change my life, life circumstances or basically just be like, shut up. Like, if, if you're not going to do anything about it, this is this is your fate. Yeah. So either do something about it or quit complaining. Well, I think that, I think that's what. So you, you've got to consciously think about where you are first. First got, of all, you, you know, got to get just, to that point. So I, 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 I tell this story all the time. It's, it's a Zen koan. I think I told you this last time. Mm-hmm. But uh, the koan goes like this. There's a man standing in a large open meadow, minding his own business, meditating he looks over and he sees a horse running towards him very fast with a rider just struggling to hang on to this horse. As the rider runs right in front of him, almost knocks him over, he says to the guy, where in the world are you going so fast? And the rider says, I don't know. You'll have to ask the horse. And he runs <laughs> off into the distance. And that yeah. literally is the way I would say most people run their money, if not their lives. Yeah. They yeah. just get wherever the horse takes them. Yeah. So here I am, 35 years old. By, by no real deliberate actions. I'm just here financially, whatever. So yeah. that's the first thing is to say, hey, 
if I keep doing what I'm doing, where's the horse going to be in five years? Yeah. And, and I think it's okay. It absolutely is okay. I, I, I go on vacation once or twice a year. I mean, that, so, so everybody has a limited source of funds, right? I, you know, we have limited means. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Well, there's a few people probably in the world that don't. But, but <laughs> one, most one of them's I'm, right here in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Mr. Buffett across the street yeah. from where there's we are There's actually right several now. people I was going to say, are, several people <laughs> in Omaha because of Mr. Buffett. Yeah. Or even because means. of their own means. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, but, but you know, we have these limited means, and we, we get to choose. We just have to become wiser at that. As we go forward, so 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 like in particular, you know, I make sure I fund emergencies. So I, I have an emergency fund that I continue to fund because something's going to always continue to come up. Yeah, I, I make sure that I put money into a major purchase fund. My daughter's probably going to get married, and and that's going to cost me a fortune. And, <laughs> and and I need a new truck someday. So yeah. so I do that. I also put money into a vacation fund. We put $500 a month into a vacation fund every month. That's $6,000 a year that we can go on vacation for because that's important yeah. to us. Yeah. What I'm saying is, is, and then, and then the other one is opportunity account. So, so like you and I were talking off offline about yeah. some opportunities that are going to p- potentially come up. So what are the three, there's three things you need if you want to take advantage of an opportunity. Number one is money, right? So yeah. there's going to be opportunities coming in front of all of us. Yeah. Some of them we might not even be able to observe those opportunities because we're just not aware. We don't have the we don't have the money to take advantage of it. So there's three things we need to be prepared for that. One is money. Yeah. Number two is knowledge. Yeah. So if if if, if we, we can't just take advantage, I can't go buy a rental home if I don't know how to fix the darn <laughs> thing up or right. whatever. Right. And number three is relationships. So so if we can work on those three things to prepare ourselves for this opportunity, how can I build a bank account so I get to be the person? If there's foreclosures down the road like there was in 2008, yeah, that was a terrible time like you talked about. Yeah. But it was also an awesome time for people that were prepared for opportunities. So right. we don't know right now. Right. You know we're at that we're at the height of all economic factors yeah, it's, ever. Yeah, it's cruising right now. Cruising. We're, we're, so, we're on the gravy train. Stock market, real estate, yeah. et cetera. But, but that's not going to last forever. So when we have this next recession, there will be one. Who knows when it will be? Yeah. Who gets to take advantage of these opportunities? It's the people with money, the people with knowledge, and the people with relationships. Because that's the other thing, too. You know, yeah. you're in your opportunity. It's because of yeah. the relationship. Right. right. So, so that's the other thing, too, that, you know, and then there's a lot of younger people that are entrepreneur-like. They, they don't want to work for somebody. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. But you better work on those three things. Right. And in the meantime, you better work for somebody right. so you right. can make some money right. and build some right. knowledge. Right. So let's step back a little bit. I like I like what you said. And we've talked about this before. You got your vacation, your opportunity, your uh, major expenditure fund. Yeah, major so, purchase. I mean, so, right. And, and, and this, you know, you, know, you say that to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. I mean. You're talking about having like three separate bank accounts. Yeah, so I, I al- allocated specifically yes. for specific things. My my mine are at Capital One three hundred and sixty just because it pays two percent, yeah. and I've had them there forever. So Ally Bank offers a good one. City, whatever whatever online bank you want to pick. Right. The, the the thing I like about them is is they they don't charge you anything. There's no fees. They pay a higher interest rate, and I can have three accounts that mine says major purchase fund. Yeah, mine yeah. said you know my three things say major purchase, emergency fund, vacation fund. Right, that's how they're right. titled. I don't use my vacation fund for emergencies. I don't use my emergency fund for major purchases, etc. Sure, sure, sure. And when the and when it's and when it's done, it's done. When so that hits zero. You well, don't yeah, have any. yeah. For, so, for, for the month, let's right. Say, so so that right. that's that's the way I do budgeting because yeah. I don't believe in budgeting. I don't I don't want to micromanage my budget, so yeah. I make myself poor right away. I, mm-hmm. I send money every single paycheck. I get paid twice a month 
to those accounts. And yeah. I also have an opportunity fund at Charles Schwab's where I chose to have it just because it's because I can do some stocks with that. I'm okay with taking a little bit of risk with that. And sure. then I have a Roth IRA. So I fund those five accounts every month, pay my bills every month automatically. Yeah. And when I'm done, I might have 500, 600 bucks left okay. in my account. If I spend it, it's okay. It's done. Yeah, yeah. If I go to Costco and spend $233, then I'm, I can't go out to dinner. Yeah, of course. So the, I mean, the, that was that was a leading question, and okay. the reason I asked that is because you have obviously consciously thought about that, right? Because you have you you've created these accounts for things in your life that are important to you, and yeah. that's kind of the point. And and I think you know I'm at this point now where I'm doing that because I'm a little bit older, but a twenty six, twenty seven year old may not be cognizant of that or may not know what's important to them, and that's okay. I mean, like an opportunity fund for a 27-year-old, and I mean, I'm not picking on 27-year-olds. I'm just using myself as an example. But I mean, I wasn't looking at land acquisition. You know what I mean? So, so the point I'm trying to make is that the sooner that you can really focus on what is important in your financial life and identify those goals and work towards those goals, the better. And that is not something new. My dad told me that when I was 10 years old. So our generation gets absolutely picked on in the media, but the principles of basic sound financial investment hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. No. I mean, and actually, I would, really. I would, you know, I would say so. It's it's all about wisdom, right? It's about yeah. hey, when when can I start realizing that this this effect of me starting as early as possible is going to pay off in the in the future? And it doesn't have to mean I can't have to stop going on vacation. I just have yeah. to deliberately set aside money for the other thing too. Yeah. And that's that that's you bring up an interesting point because it's I mean, I, I'll give myself credit. I've always been very good at seeing I, I look at things in the long run. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna delay gratification now because I know in X I'm gonna be able to do it. But you've tenfold. done some pretty fun things in the meantime. I have. Well yeah, I mean I, I've been I've been pretty fortunate. So but but I think that you bring up a really good point is is you grew up without social media. You didn't right. get on Instagram every day and no. see your friends right. off of a beautiful waterfall uh, in Bali, Indonesia, right? And so we're seeing that stuff and saying, well, Mike, shit, I got, I got to go to Southeast Asia too. Yeah. Everybody else is. And so I would say, I would say that for our generation, it is harder to delay that instant gratification because we see it every single day. And so, but that doesn't change the We prince- just had different challenges. I mean, well, so what were, what were some of yours? You know, so I remember. What was your version of the? Uh, it might have insta- been the Instagram. It might have been cars. It might have uh, been somebody bought the new car. It might have been, um, <clears throat> yeah, it might have been clothes. I mean, for some people, yeah, you're right. We didn't we didn't travel like like we didn't travel the way I travel today. You know, if it wasn't for social media, right, because I get right. jealous, if you will, from you know yeah. I see somebody post something on on social media. You yeah. know, I got to go there. I mean, that's one of my I have a a, a blog. It's called Eleven More Summers. That that I I have my ten top adventures, and and my goal is to yeah. every time I go on an adventure is to to get into the top ten. Sure. So um, read his blog, folks. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but 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 that's the thing. But I mean, I I so so my one thing that I always respected about my a lot of things I respect about my dad. But you know, he's in an industry the same as you, this financial mm-hmm. wealth management, and it can get so it's different though. Because right, tell me, tell well, me. wealth management is different than financial planning. So, so your dad's old school, right? Like Very he, old school. He my prob- dad's seventy-three years old. Yeah. FYI. So when he started, he was a stock broker. 
mm-hmm. meaning he's buy stocks for people. It was yeah. necessary yeah. for someone to go. You had to. You, you couldn't go online and buy a stock right. when your dad started the business. Right. So he's created a business that is, when he first started, it's, it's evolved. Uh, well, now or, I buy them on my cell phone. If, exactly, if, if I want or to. if you want to. You can if go I to Robinhood and yeah. buy whatever you right. want to do. Right. But, but so his, the industry's evolved. Personally, and, and, and I believe that today, not that in this, thank God your dad's 73 because he, he can just get out of business <laughs> when he wants. Right. But honestly, right. I, I don't think a majority of the people need a financial advisor today. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can get the same thing. There, there's a value. Everybody has to be smarter consumers. Yeah. So we have to, we have to purchase thoughtfully instead of being sold things. And most financial advisors, most insurance agents, most everybody is selling you something and, and it's in... It's in their best interest yeah. to sell to you. They're, they're selling it for the commission instead of you purchasing it thoughtfully. And that's if you thoughtfully purchase something, you could go to Schwab or you could go to right. TD Ameritrade or you could go to Fidelity or something and get the same product. Well, it's 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 like anything. You you do your research and do your due diligence. But 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 that's but that's a phenomenal point. People don't want to do that. People want to go to somebody and say, "Just tell me what to do." I mean, I all. I'm using an example. I just bought a house okay. two weeks ago, and my sister-in-law yeah. is my real estate agent. Yeah. And I'm just like, Annie, I, I, I don't care what the color of the new shingles are. Just tell me what to do. Right. Tell me what color to get. And people are like that. Yeah, you're because, right. Because research is... I mean, I love it. I could research all day until I get to something that I don't give a shit about, and then I'm like, just tell me what to do. And, well, and I'll pay you for that. And that's the value. Convenience. Yeah. And that's the value. And, and I mean, it's so funny. People are staunch, stubborn believers in whatever they, they believe. And they, they're experts in everything, quotes, experts, until it comes to their money. People change like that when you start to hit their pocketbooks or their, their wallets. Well, think, right? And that's why they go for advice when they don't need it. And, and, but my point, and I don't think it's wrong. Because I think no, there's, no, no. there's a I ton like of so value either. in financial advice and financial planning as long as you understand what the value is. So if I'm going to go, if I'm talking to somebody, I'll give you an example. When I was practicing, I had a, a client of mine who had $4 million. Hmm. I charged him a half a percent to manage his money. Okay. He was my client for 15 years. So yeah. you do the math on that. Yeah. He paid me $300,000 over those 15 years. Yeah. Now, what did I do? Yeah, I what, had what breakfast. I had lunch with him every quarter at the Cheesecake Factory. So he got four lunches a year out of me for you know for for fifteen for, for, for twenty thousand bucks for twenty thousand bucks. And then we talked about his investments, and yeah. and half of his investments were managed by another management company, which by the way charged another one percent. So it wasn't even you. So I was just you. a middleman. Yeah, I was twenty thousand dollars for me to give it to somebody else. Now, I mean, so he bought my house for me. Thank you. Yeah. But, but my point is that was the value there. Now, for him, it was because yeah. he felt like, you know, it, it, you know, he understood that. But I think for some people, it's like, hey, understand what are you what are you paying for this? Yeah. this? This is anything. What am I paying? If it costs me 5000 bucks a year, what am I receiving for 5000 I think that's a fair question you should be yeah. asking. Never, never underestimate the power of peace of mind, which I think that, Absolutely. Guy, that's, I think that guy got. And that might be you. what he that might be what he, he yeah. did. You know, that's really interesting because, again, going back to, like, the the financial news that I'll read, one, every time it gives me a list of stocks I need to buy. And, you know, th- these are the 10 best ways to manage your money. And almost always on those lists are talk to a financial advisor. You need a financial expert 
to manage that money. Now, I think a lot of where's the source of the blog? Well, I was going to say, right. Yeah. Uh, You know, XYZ blog is sponsored by uh, Charles Schwab Investments or Edward Jones or whatever it may be. I always resort back. So so the first the first person that I really dove into uh, from, you know, when I when I was getting more serious about my money was Dave Ramsey. Okay. Remember, remember old Dave? Oh, He's yeah. still around. Oh, yeah. And his baby steps. Yep. Uh, go check out the baby steps of Dave Ramsey, folks. And, and a lot of that stuff I really agree with. And a lot of it I'm just like, holy crap, Dave, you are conservative. Like super. Well, like, like your opportunity fund. Wouldn't exist. Well, with that's Dave the thing. Dave, Dave's so rigid. He's, you know, I and, mean, he's very well because Dave's been burned. Well, yeah, yeah that's it. Too. I, I'm but not. I'm not defending. It's him. easy I'm just for that's it's easy for an old guy like me to sit down and tell a bunch of people that are in crisis do these things and scream at him and stuff like that. I think Dave yeah. has a great following. He does good things for the overall U.S. financial yeah. well-being. Yeah. The problem is, is that, you know, his baby steps, for instance, are do these things, these things, this, you know, yeah, save yeah. a thousand bucks, yeah. pay off high interest rate debt or something, you know, go on down the road. And those are great. But 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 you're right. I mean, like, like it's not wealth building. No. It's, it's specifically for people that are in a crisis. Yeah. And and, and those people need to hear that. And they it's need crisis these, do these things. Right. Yeah, but yeah. when it comes to you, yeah. half the people that are listening to this, maybe most of the people that are listening to this. Yeah. I don't want to be a crisis person. I want to build wealth. And yeah, he's going to say that, but but you can do that. Yeah. If you, if you, for instance, spent the next five years paying down debt and just doing that and just doing those baby steps and stuff like that, you, you would have missed out on, even if you'd have put a hundred bucks into stocks, you right. missed, you would have missed out on, right. on all the growth because right. you were focusing on these things. Right. This is, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. He's, uh, he's, uh, you're, 300k in debt. Let's get you out of it in 15 years, person. He's not. I'm not going to make you rich, which is fine. I mean, but he's. I'm just saying he's the first person I read. No, it's good. That uh, I started an emergency fund because of Dave Ramsey. Okay, I'll just say that. That's good. I'll just say that. So uh, this is a personal question. Side tangent. We're kind of you know getting off the millennial train here. So one thing that I mean, my friends and I, we talk at nauseum about investing our money and like what you know what, what do we put it in what do we do and I'm a huge advocate of uh, real estate okay land houses stuff like yeah. that so and, and I'm not saying I'm right it's just something that I've always it just made sense to me to do it yep so my and there's not an answer to this question I'm just ask, asking your opinion let's say because we all have limited means you know every let's say I got six thousand dollars a year Okay. That, okay. That, that I that I can put into well, I can put into let's say a Roth IRA. Right. All right. Or I can be like, you know what? I got an opportunity to buy this land that I think is in a desirable area, yeah. and over the next, because I, I I play long with land. I'm I'm gonna hold it for twenty years. Twenty years until I think I can cash out and yep. go to Bali and yeah. take Instagram pictures of myself. Yeah, and buy so a place that, in Bali. That's my goal is to grow my Instagram following to twenty. And uh, what are your thoughts on that? If you, and it's an, it's an impossible question. Yeah, well, it's not. Well, it is because you're right. It is. In fact, I was at the Packers a couple years ago, Pack- and Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, okay. and and we were talking to the second and third year players. I and I and the biggest topic was real estate. Mm-hmm. NFL players want to own real estate, and and first and foremost, this is a business, and you have to treat it like a business. Right. So this is separate from personal finances. This is a business. It doesn't necessarily have to be an LLC, but you have to treat it like yeah. a business. Yeah. And then you have to think about that. So there's many, many different ways to buy real estate. Yeah. I just, as, a, as an experiment, 
uh, put a thousand bucks into Fundrise. Have you ever heard of that? No. What is that? It's 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 sort of a like a a, a non traded real estate investment trust. They buy you know a direct property. They buy property, and you can participate in that. So I just did it as an huh. experiment. You know, it's some illiquidity. You can't yeah. really get your money back right away. But they own properties, and and you can put a very small amount in there if you're. So that's like an easy entryway for somebody who who wants to have some diversification. One of the best things about real estate is it doesn't give a shit what the stock market does. <laughs> that's right. That's, you know, that's, so, that's kind of why I like it. That's why I like it too. Yeah. So so I have a little bit in that. You know, and then you could go in and you could buy some traded REITs at Vanguard or something like that. But those are just going to act like the stock market because they're a part of almost everybody's portfolio now. Right. So so those are just right. going to act like this. That's right. why I took a little bit of a step up to Fundrise. But then you could go up to maybe a limited partnership. There's a lot of limited partnership companies that will let you participate participate in in bigger deals yeah um and then you could go find a local builder there's a local builder here in omaha that would would gladly take a million dollars from you and let you be a 150th owner of the <laughs> building that he's going <laughs> right, in right? right right but that takes a lot more capital right you could go and buy a rental property yeah now that's the most intense work but it might be the better return so yeah in real estate again so this is this is why it's hard to answer that question because there's so many things yeah. you can do yeah how much involvement do you want to be in it how much money do you have? And then how much return are you expecting? You know, what's the reason why you're doing this? Mm-hmm. And and then from there, you can break it down. Like, like if you've got an opportunity to own some land, then then you can, you can do that. I, I had another friend who just bought into a senior living facility down in hmm. Lincoln. Hmm. So she, she put $100,000 into it, but she's going to be a part owner. And this thing's already... It's not even built yet, but it's already at capacity. Yeah. It already has a waiting list. You know, yeah. that sounds smart to me. Yeah. It does sound smart. Well, the, opportunities, right? Because she has a hundred thousand dollars, and she has the relationship. Yeah, but that's but the, right. But and and that's the thing is, I mean, there's some people that listeners just rolled their eyes, maybe even turned us off, and said like, "Well, well, look at Fundrise then. You then look at Fundrise. I don't have a hundred thousand dollars. Do you have five hundred bucks? I mean, yes, I do." But maybe some people don't, and they, those people need to go into crisis. The, yeah, crisis exactly. management. Yeah, yeah. Well, are they recovery. need to, or they need to just go back to step one? I'm going to start building my emergency fund. I'm going to yeah. start putting money in my major purchase and my opportunity fund. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing right there, listeners. If you cannot cover a major emergency, if you can't cover a car breaking down, or you break your arm, that take a serious step back, and and you need to reassess because you are one slip and fall on the ice away from being in very deep financial trouble. That's just a small caveat. Well, yeah. and I think I think the other step too is just to analyze your cash flow. And I mean, yeah. so this is probably and I know we're probably getting to the end here, but the cash flow is the most important thing. If you could if you could honestly just list, here's the money I have coming in and the money I have going out. So, so yeah. we want to challenge every single fixed expense yeah. all the time. Yeah. If I'm paying this Hulu, am I using it, et cetera? Uh, I want to, and then I want to control my variable expenses, my gas, my eating out, my whatever, um, groceries, the gym, all these discretionary things. We have to control that some way. I yeah. do it by making myself poor. Some people track it on mint.com. I think yeah. that's a pain in the ass, but some yeah. people like it. But yeah. you have to control that because the name of the game is to increase your surplus as much as possible so you can fund those goals. You can't fund an opportunity fund if you don't have a surplus. Yeah. So how do yeah. we do that? How do you, how, how can you increase your, sur- your yeah. surplus? You can increase your income. Mm-hmm. I can decrease my expenses. Right. Or I can look at my balance sheet, which is everything I own and everything I can owe, and I could maybe make an adjustment there. Yeah. Like, for instance, yeah. if I've 
some people in that crisis won't have a ton of high interest rate debt. Maybe it's better to take a loan from your 401k and just say, hey, I'm going to pay this off for the next 12 months automatically out of my paycheck, but I'm not going to use credit cards again. Now, in a year, I've got all this, you know, I've got this extra surplus. So different ways you can do that. But the name of the game is we've got to increase that surplus. Yeah. All right. So we're, I mean, it, 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 one more thing and then we can kind of wrap up here. So you mentioned mint.com. My, a lot of my friends are zealots of okay. uh, you need a budget. All right. YNAB. Yep. We talked about this before. It's basically the same uh, thing. It's the same thing. Um, kind of a digitized version of the envelope message or, or method, a, yeah. an envelope method. For those that don't know, you put a bunch of money in an envelope and you allocate those envelopes to certain things and you can move it around. But once an envelope is done in a certain area like that's it you're done you've uh you've exhausted your resources that month for that particular area of your life and this is basically just a digitized version of that you need a budget it's called ynab i got friends that are religious about it i looked at it it wasn't for me because i don't want to go in there and be like you know what god damn it i bought that coffee and now i gotta move stuff around and i'm like i don't to me financial freedom is the ability to kind of do a few of those things and not have to worry about it, like control it, it. C- can control it. Live yeah. with, li- I think they call that living within your means. Yeah, for, yeah, for but, a but lot there's of us. A, you know, I don't know why, but I have a problem with that term, living with my means, because that can mean anything. It can mean I'm going to live with, you know, I'm not going to spend more than what I bring in, but that that doesn't mean though I'm not taking advantage of this income. Yeah, but you, I mean, but you define your means. Like you, means you, means though to me is like, I can afford it. It's not means I'm I'm going after it. F- fair enough, but I I mean I would I would count I would argue with that and say well well not everybody wants an opportunity fund, like not everybody cares to pursue opportunities. A lot of people are just like you know what I got my I got my work retirement plan. I got my Roth. Uh, maybe I invest in a few yeah, stocks. That's okay. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. That's absolutely I, okay. I live I live within you know I live within my means, and every once in a while I'm going to go and take the family to Mexico. Well, that's that's beyond your means, though. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Well, is, but 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 it's but maybe not. Like for the yeah. for no, the, I, I hear what you're saying. We're, they're we're, not, we're they're arguing not, semantics. They're here, not but, blowing the bank on that yeah. Mexico trip. No, and I think that's I think that's just it. Is that that we all have this this chance to live whatever kind of life we want to live, mm. and, and but we have to look. You know, I like to look at five years on. So, um, you know, if you're 25 years old, where are you going to be at 30? Going back to the horse analogy. Yeah. Where do you want that horse to be? Right. And if you think about that, say, hey, I want to have $10,000 in an emergency fund or $20,000 in an emergency fund. What's that divided by 60 divided by 120 paychecks? Yeah. In the next five years, I'm going to get 120 paychecks. If I put $100 into every paycheck, I'm going to have 12,000 bucks at the end of this 10 year period. Yeah. So I can, I can think about that. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and that's the way we have to think about it because, because, you know, one year we could be worth less than we are today just because something happens. We lose our job, the stock market crashes, whatever. Yeah. But in five years, we better be smart enough to be further ahead than we are, no matter what happens. Take advantage of it. And with that, I think we're going to wrap it up because right. we could talk about this yeah. all day. <laughs> um, I mean, just a quick takeaway. We have new challenges in this generation that you didn't, but the basic foundational principles of building wealth really haven't changed a whole lot no. over the it, course. Yep, you're right. So uh, just challenge everybody, myself included. Um, 
sometimes you got to take a hard look in the mirror and, and make some tough decisions if you want to get to where you want to be. But Brian cannot thank you enough for that was being fun. here. That was I really appreciate fun. it. Yeah. Thanks. Good luck with your uh, professional athletes. I bet you there's a few egos in the room there. I so. hope there's a, they hope they win the day before. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, join us next time on another episode of Two Old Millennials. Thanks, man. Cool. That was awesome. That was I liked Thanks. it. Yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, I guess we got to turn it off, don't we? If you like this episode, check out more at twooldmillennials.com.